Hey there! Welcome to Culture by Culture, a multidimensional exploration of Black and Asian pop cultural ties. I'm your Bollywood novice host, Delia, and today I'm joined by the blogger and podcaster, the Bollywood nerd. Hi there. Hi. Before we get rolling into the episode, I want to give a quick shout out to our newest Patreon member, Leah. Right now, my goal is to be able to pay for a solid transcription service or editor to make the podcast more consistently accessible. And we're getting closer thanks to supporters like Leah. If you're listening and wondering how you too can support this project and get a one-time shout out in an episode of your own, just go to patreon.com slash culturexpodcast or go to the link in the show notes. You know where to find them. Now, Bollywood nerd, please go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what you do. Okay, so just like you said, um, I'm the Bollywood nerd and I run an Instagram page called obviously the Bollywood nerd where I share like my opinion on Indian cinema and, you know, the things that I enjoy about how they express themselves through that medium of art. And somewhere down the line, I ended up starting a podcast as well because I realized that I had a lot more to say than just writing captions in an Instagram post <laughs> or on my stories, um, you know. So I decided to start uh, the podcast as well. So to be very honest, I just say that I am a lover of the culture and the arts. And it's interesting to experience a culture that is not my own, that is so rich and colorful. That's very much relatable to me. We were talking before we recorded, but to explain to the listeners, I am very much... Like I said, in my intro, a Bollywood novice, a Bollywood newbie. And honestly, I don't know why, because on paper, like I've had friends who love Bollywood, like growing up and stuff. It Mm -hmm. is something I should very much be into. But I don't know if you just like cap out at some point of how many things you can be into at once. I'm not sure. But I'm very, very excited to talk about it and learn some stuff from you. Hopefully, maybe even get a few (laughs) recommendations. Who knows? (laughs) Sure. But I guess we'll start with, like you said, you love engaging with a culture that's not your own. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a bit about your background and how you first got into Bollywood? Okay, so I'm Nigerian, um, and that's obviously a country in West Africa. And Mm -hmm. on a regular basis, I'm that person who I actually work in the entertainment industry here. I'm a talent manager. Ooh, okay. I've worked in theater. I've worked in film. I've, you know, I currently manage artists um, and I curate experiences. So um, <laughs> I'm so impressed. Oh, my goodness. I did not know. <laughs> so to be honest, I I had dabbled into blogging um, just before I started talent management um, as a whole, because I was already doing content developments across mediums and um it was in 20, I think my first introduction to Bollywood was uh, when I was in university, right? Mm-hmm. I already had an interest in anime and mm-hmm. a friend of mine kept going on and on about how, because I was also like a show tunes baby, I loved musicals and stuff that she felt like Bollywood would be, would be something that I would enjoy. But I'd never actually heard of Bollywood. So she gave me a film to watch and she was like, this is going to be my test as to whether or not I was open-minded enough to... Um, watch something that wasn't in my language outside of the anime that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. That was how um, I ended up watching Kuch Kuch Hotahe. And that's a really popular film with Shah Rukh Khan and Kajol that was directed by Karan Johar. And I cried like a baby. <laughs> I cried like a baby. I was fascinated. got you in one. Do you understand? I was fascinated by the music. I was fascinated uh-huh. by the storytelling and look, I'm such a softie. So all the romance and, you know, the wind blowing through her hair as oh, the guy was yeah. sweeping her off her feet. I was a goner in like the first couple of scenes. And I was like, OK, this is interesting. But then there wasn't still enough for me to kind of experience beyond that, um, especially mm-hmm. because the person who introduced me, she was like a year ahead of me in school. So she left not long afterwards. And I was like, oh, OK, that was uh. fun. I forgot about it. And then I think it was after school when I moved to a different city. One of my roommates was also like a Bollywood person. But at the time, because I was, you know, when you're you're fresh out of school and you're kind of like finding your bearing, you're not so interested in in things like sitting down to binge movies and shows, at least not for me. Um, I was trying to figure out, you know, what trajectory my creative career was going to go in. So a friend, this roommate of mine then said, okay, you need to relax. Let's watch a couple of movies. Just watch this with me, blah, blah, blah. So I ended up watching Students of the Year, another Karen Johar film, which I found out later on. Um, and then I also watched a film called Anjani Anjana. And I was like, okay, it's not so well, bad. I think I've heard of that. Yes, Priyanka Chopra was in it. Ah, okay. 
So I was like, okay, it's not so bad, but I think I'll stick to my anime because I already binge a lot of anime. As I was like, I don't think I want to take on another culture because I can be a little bit, um, <laughs> I don't want to use the word obsessive, but when I'm interested in something, I do go kind of, you know, I go like really into it um, and stuff. And even with For the sure. anime, I had to kind of curb it and say, okay, you know what? I'm going to limit it to a couple of shows that I would follow as opposed to getting lost in the world and stuff You're like good that. You're company here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so again, I just kind of, you know, brushed past it like, oh, it was interesting. And then I kind of moved on. But then... The real shift for me happened in 2015. So our version of cable here in Nigeria is called DSTV. Um, Mm -hmm. And then they introduced a channel called Z-World. And they introduced it because... So in Nigeria, we have have a lot of like ethnic groups in Nigeria. But the three main Mm -hmm. ethnic groups are Yoruba, Igbo, and Hausa. Now, Hausa is in like northern Nigeria... And their culture okay. is very similar to the Indian culture, at least surface level. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So the whole issue, uh-huh. so that whole thing of close knit families, mm-hmm. couples living with their extended families, intermarrying within a certain class and things like that. That's exactly mm-hmm. how the northerners in Nigeria are. And it turns out that mm-hmm. there's a huge Bollywood fandom there because the music sounds kind of similar even the way they get married, even though they're Muslim, their traditional cultures are very aesthetically similar as well. That's so fascinating. So when they introduced that channel um, and stuff, I was at a friend's house and she was like, hmm, they've brought these Indian films, so come and watch these films. And I was like, okay, let me come and see what's going on. Um, (laughs) And then we watched a a film, uh, a series called, a TV series called um, uh, Lali. And then there's another one called Married Again. There were quite a few, but it was Lali that stuck for me because it was a story about a small town girl who was like a house help to a rich family. And then the last born child son, who's like a prodigal son, falls in love with the house help mm-hmm. and stuff. So I was very intrigued by it. And then apart from the soap operas, then they would then show films like, I think the real film that caught me was Viva. And Viva is uh, it's such a beautiful love story. Again, first of all, look, Indians know how to cast beautiful people and do their films in beautiful settings. So it just creates this whole almost aspirational feeling, you know, that feeling of I wish mm-hmm. I could. This, I'm living in a dream. I wish I could be in this dream, you know. And the film mm-hmm. was basically about, you know, an arranged marriage between um, the daughter of some man and then some rich man's son. Right. And she was like really beautiful and they had like a a very chaste relationship. You know, they only see and talk when they get to steal glances at each other when their parents are in the room and all of that. Oh, the pining. I know. And then at the end, some accident happened on her wedding day. And then she tried to save her little sister and she got burnt from her neck down. And the only part of her body that was salvaged was her, her face. And she thought her husband wasn't going to marry her anymore, but he said he was because he fell in love with her soul. Ah, I died. Oh, stop. stop. I died. Oh my God. I died. I was just like, wait, 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 wait. You know, and then on their wedding the night. The way my heart, like, was, I was <laughs> plugged in just to you recapping it. Ah. Oh, my gosh. And then on their wedding night, when the nurse came in to change her dressings, he was like, no, he's going to do it himself because she's his wife. I was oh. like, come on. Come on. And I I'm just, a puddle. Oh I my just gosh. started weeping. I was like, oh my God, this is true. Unconditional love. My friends were just looking at me like, oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> so I left. They were that. just watching it all casual. I'm telling you. So I left their house that day and I just kind of went. I just I was like, you know what? Now I'm curious about Bollywood. I want to see what the fuss is about. Because the soap operas that, that were being shown on the channel, there were a lot of stuff that had already stopped showing in India. But of course, because it's being mm-hmm. brought to a new market, it's new here um, and everything. And I was like, I want to mm-hmm. see if the, the stuff we're seeing on TV is a good representation of what Indian cinema is. And mm-hmm. that's how I went on a long discovery. Um, you know, I started with the name that I knew and that was Shah Rukh Khan. So I Googled Shah Rukh Khan. Then I Googled his filmography and then I made a list. And then I started looking for every film and started watching his films. 
you know, so I went, <laughs> I watched Kuchota Hair again. I watched Kabikushi Kabigam. I watched Kaoho Naho. And I just kept going. And I made like a long list. Once I had gotten through like 15 of the films in his filmography, based on people that mm-hmm. caught my attention in the films that I saw, I would then look for them and then start watching their films. Then I went on YouTube to find out, you know, what shows I could watch that would like kind of educate me on the industry outside of just watching the films. At this time, I hadn't started writing about it. I was just very curious, right? And I found Mm. it really fascinating. I got to a point where I had watched so many films in such a short period of time that I could literally like pick up bits of the language. I could sing the songs and I sing anyways. (laughs) So I'd end up in my friend's house and then I'd be humming an Indian song and she's like, wait, 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 how did we get here? (laughs) Um, and then a couple I'm a of new woman, look, <laughs> look, <laughs> and then a couple of my friends were like, why don't you start a blog? Because every time we start talking about film, you start drawing parallels between Indian cinema and Nigerian cinema. And I was like, eh, you know, I've already done the blog thing. I don't think I want to start a blog right now. But you know, if anything interests me, I might share. And I never really did. Because again, I had a lot of things going on at the same time. Being a talent manager it takes a lot out of you. So Watching Bollywood films was kind of like my way to then unwind, aside to anime. Mm-hmm. But then I kind of just, <laughs> look, I did a lot of research. I found Film Companion. I found Pink Villa. I found all the Bollywood blogs, all the Indian blogs. Started reading about how the industry, you know, kind of grew and developed and how it's very family. You have a lot of family-owned businesses in Bollywood. So there's this whole conversation about nepotism. Mm -hmm. Every other day, people are shouting about nepotism because the family business is kind of passed down, you know, in the home. So at least most Mm -hmm. of the prominent film houses in India, at least 70% of them are owned by family dynasties. Do you get one person was like the patriarch who started a, a, a film company or was an actor that started a film company Then his kids became actors and his brothers became actors. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I found it very interesting. I found it very fascinating. It also kind of, I think one of the things that I really found um, to be really cool was the fact that Indian cinema can, can thrive on its own. It doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. need an international audience to, to survive because first of all, they have the numbers to support their industry. But in addition to that, they do not try to cater to the needs of foreigners. They, They make their films by themselves, for themselves, with themselves. And by doing mm-hmm. that, for every person who is not an Indian who watches their cinema, it's literally, it's literally them telling you, this is who we are. And we're not going to change who we are for anyone. So you have to accept who we are, which is why their films are in their languages. They're not in English. And we're the ones who then have to watch and read subtitles. I can't stand English dubs of anything. I prefer to watch oh, me either. <laughs> I prefer to watch it in the original language and read the subtitles. Because it doesn't carry the same emotion. That's what I think. There's just so much from the performance of like anything in its native language exactly. that I just uh, Exactly. So and yeah, the thing is I agree. Indians are so expressive and they're so dramatic. Mm. And look, I'm African, I'm Nigerian, and we are just as dramatic. I can tell you that for free. (laughs) There are a lot of similarities between, like, I I won't say Asians as a whole, but Indians and Nigerians, we have a lot of similarities in the fact that we're very sensitive people, we're very emotional people, we're highly dramatic, Mm -hmm. we're very family-oriented, in some states more than others, um, and stuff. So, And then, you know, in some ways, we're also very traditional. The difference between us and them is that they've managed to stay rooted in their culture across board, rooted in their culture, rooted in their traditions. We, on the other hand, I'd say that we kind of sold out <laughs> post, you know, and stuff. So, um, and, and I've been preaching the message of the fact that um, Nigerian cinema, which of the, unfortunately is called Nollywood, just the way Indians hate the fact that Bollywood is called Bollywood, um, <laughs> and stuff I, 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 I didn't oh, know that okay so let me so okay so my first recommendation for you is to watch the romantics on netflix so the romantics is literally a documentary about um, yash chopra who was one of the most prominent filmmakers in india at the time and one of the people or rather the person who single-handedly changed the way um, Indian films were, were were done at the time because he went from 
just, you know, doing small town stories or stories that focus on the angry young man to doing films that were about love and that were aspirational. You had the women wearing the chiffon saris with the beautiful locations. Um, and then there's one country, I'm not sure if it's Switzerland or New Zealand or one of those countries, that literally named a lake after him and named a floor oh, wow. on in one of their most prominent hotels after him because he basically contributed to the tourism of their country because of the way he shot um, scenes in his oh, films okay. in their country. So anyways, what that documentary will do for you is it'll kind of educate you on the evolution of Indian cinema over time through the lens of his film company and how his first son kind of took over the business and was introduced into the business and how he also changed the way filmmaking was done to suit, you know, the generation that he was in. Um, and that's where mm -hmm. they also explained the fact that Bollywood was not always called Bollywood. The name actually came from an insult in an article about Indian cinema trying to be <laughs> like a, a low budget version of, uh -huh. of Hollywood. Right. But unfortunately, the name doesn't make sense. Yes. So unfortunately, the name stuck. Um, and I mean, Hollywood is the most recognized film industry, even if they might not be the biggest. Mm -hmm. So I've always said it that the film industry in my country would benefit a lot if we took a few leaves out of the Bollywood handbook, because it's it's until our content is completely rooted in our culture and what makes us authentically Nigerian, that's when our, our stories will start to cross over. That's when our stories will start to be more relatable. When we focus on being who we are and not trying to be who we're not, I think we'd be in a really better, a really good place um, from a storytelling perspective and a filmmaking perspective. We have a lot to learn. Bollywood is light years ahead of us. <laughs> but yeah. All of that was so fascinating. Like, I don't even know where to start. First of all, I didn't know that you were also into anime. We're going to have to remind me to circle back <laughs> to that at the end. Sure. I would love to know what types of anime you like just to get a get a feel. Sure. But it's wild to me that you've been at this since 2015, like you and did all this research to, you know, partake in this industry that you had come to love, uh, but weren't, you know, natively in that country. Mm -hmm. Like there's no, I assume there's no Bollywood crunchy roll situation, you know. <laughs> So I think that says a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a very good recommendation of Bollywood. Like, trust me, it's worth it. It's worth it, worth it to do the work. It's that good. <laughs> but you were talking about the parallels between Nigerian cinema and Indian cinema and how your friends, you would bring it up a lot of the time. And that's how you kind of were like, OK, fine, I'll start a blog, an Instagram page. And then you were saying how Nigeria could learn a lot from the industry. So I was just curious what parallels there are between the two film industries that you see. Okay, so first of all, if you look at like what our indigenous cinema used to look like, um, we had a lot of our films that were in native languages. We still have quite a lot of it that is in native in, in our indigenous languages um, and stuff that you kind of have to watch with subtitles if you don't speak the language and, and all of that. So we have, like I said, we have like three main um, tribes here or ethnic groups here. So you have the Igbo films that are either in Igbo or a mix of Igbo and Pidgin. You have the Hausa films that are obviously in Hausa language and then you have the Yoruba films. But then the industries that are more prominent, unfortunately, is the English-speaking version of our films because English is the first language in Nigeria, right? Mm. And because of that, we then end up having a lot of content that is very westernized or trying to mm -hmm. trying to focus on what the upper class average rich Nigerian would look like. And what that does is that it takes away from what the man on the street is like, if we're not telling stories about the everyday man, so to speak. But when, mm -hmm. when you look at like our indigenous films and you look at what Bollywood indigenous films are like or what Bollywood films are like in general, it's about Indians. It could be about mm -hmm. a guy from Maharashtra who is trying to marry someone from, um, you know, Kerala. And then the parents are having issues because they're from different states. There's literally a film called Two States mm -hmm. <laughs> that is about that <laughs> um, with Ali and Arjun Kapoor. And we have that in Nigeria every other day. We have so many ethnic groups. You have issues of if a, an Igbo girl falls in love with a Yoruba man, the parents might not want it because it's an intertribal marriage. And then if you run away from home, then, um, you know, you get disowned and things like that. So there are lots of these indigenous stories that are very common to us because we have the same, 
you know, situations of class. We don't have the colorism situation going on, thank God. But we do have the issue of class. Yeah. We do have the issue of, you know, intertribal relationships. We do have the issues of, you know, like the the normal hustle from, you know, moving from a small town, moving from a small town to achieve your Nigerian dream in the big city of Lagos and and things like that. So when we tell those stories and I'm like, if we tell more of those stories, do you understand? We'd be, again, doing ourselves a huge service because we'd be portraying ourselves for who we really are. People will be able to connect with it. Mm. Look, in India, right, there cannot be a huge Hollywood movie coming to the cinema and then there's a, a film by Salman Khan or Shah Rukh Khan coming to the cinema and then Indians will go and watch a Hollywood film. It's not going to happen. They will go and watch their own. Mm. <laughs> they will go and watch their own films. And that's why Hollywood films struggle to compete in the Indian market. They value their own. They worship their own. They acknowledge their own. They appreciate their own. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is so interesting. I would love to... I know this is not a history podcast, but I do... <laughs> I think like personally, like in my own time, I'm going to have to go learn more about this because it's so interesting to me. Like, how do you build an industry like that in a country? Like, it's hard for me as an American to imagine because America just our main thing is not minding our business. So like to the, even the concept of just like making stuff on our own for our own. No, we're mm -hmm. too busy trying to like get in every market that we possibly can. Yeah. So like, it's like a foreign concept to mm -hmm. me, literally. But I'm so fascinated. and I think that's so cool. And I think it sounds like you're very right in that it's a model that other countries like Nigeria could use who, if they feel that they've lost mm -hmm. that, can emulate because that is the power of that. Yeah, I think the country that has mastered this whole exporting the culture the most has got to be Korea. The whole K-pop module is Oh, yeah. Insane. I didn't want to say, but the whole time you're talking, I've really drawn so many parallels. I love K-dramas. Mm -hmm. And, like, my journey with K-dramas is very similar to your journey with Bollywood. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, that's kind of spooky. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, they have mastered that. Go on. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. But, like, so I refused. I made a conscious effort to not jump on the K-drama train because I was like, if I get started with that, I would be stuck. And it's in, Indian it's cinema totally is, it, look, Indian cinema is already a lot right and mm -hmm. you need to understand that people keep saying bollywood but bollywood actually only refers to hindi movies right correct right you have the marathi film industry you have the telugu film industry you have the tamil film industry you have the malayalam film industry so it's north and south you have the different film industries within india which is why a lot of them prefer to you know prefer to be referred to as the indian cinema or the indian film fraternity as opposed to Bollywood, because Bollywood is just Hindi cinema, right? And mm -hmm. it was, I think it was within the last, like, two, three years that I started, I was like, okay, now that I've kind of made a good dent in, you know, finding my footing within, like, Hindi cinema, now I want to kind of watch South films. But then I got introduced to films like, okay, Kanmani, I watched um, Sita Raman, which came out last year. I watched quite a few, and I was like, first of all, it's so interesting to see how different the languages sound. Malayalam is mm -hmm. such a... It's almost like they're clicking and speaking under their tongue when they start to like speak the language. And I'm like, okay. But it's not just about the difference in language. It's also the difference in cultures. Their cultures are very... They have a lot of similarities, but they have a lot of differences too. Mm -hmm. So the language of the storytelling is very different. The way they, they approach the the visuals of their storytelling is very different from like an average Hindi film. With a Hindi film, it's as good as saying you're watching a Hollywood film, but set in India, almost, right? If you were going to like dumb it down to layman's terms. But when you watch mm -hmm. Malayalam or Telugu or Tamil, it's a lot more raw. It's a lot more raw. It's a lot more indigenous. It's not as refined as, as Hindi cinema in some ways. And in some ways it is. I mean... Just this year, RRR won um, original score at the Oscars. And then RRR was nominated in the foreign film category as well. Hi, Editing Dahlia here. I was coming to let y'all know that it was actually at the Golden Globes this year that RRR was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film and Best Original Song. Usually I would just put that in the show notes, but like, frankly... 
It won Best Original Song, and it 100% deserved. It is a banger, and I need somebody to go listen to it because I just played it on repeat for, like, 20 minutes, and I should be editing. So, like, I'm going to link it in the show notes. Please go listen to it. It's very, very good. Okay, as you were. So, you know, you can tell that the South film industry is catching up with, like, the the Hindi film industry Mm -hmm. and stuff. So I'm just like, okay, so I'm still wading through the stuff from South India I'm still knee deep in North India. And of course, thanks to Netflix and Amazon Prime, where <laughs> there's a lot more stuff that's happening because the smart thing that Netflix and um, Amazon Prime did or Prime Video did when they were coming into these industries was that as opposed to trying to create Indian content by copying the existing templates, instead, they empowered the existing directors and writers that were there mm-hmm. to create content by Indians for Indians. Jiget. So like just yesterday they released um an anthology called Lost Stories 2. This man called Ronnie and he started this series of anthologies. The first one was Bombay Talkies and it was to celebrate a hundred years of Indian cinema. And he got four of the top um Indian directors to do four short films with a similar theme, right? Which was really cool. And then a couple of years later, they did another one called Lost Stories 1. And he brought back the same directors to do, um, you know, four short films about Lost in different scenarios. And then they just released the sequel, which I watched yesterday. And it was absolutely insane. There was one particular story that stuck out to me. I'm not going to tell you. Instead, I'm going to recommend that you go and see Lost Stories on Netflix. (laughs) Okay. Yes. We will note it. We're going to note it. Also, (laughs) listeners, I say this every episode, but just a reminder, all the recommendations that are going to be in the show notes. So you don't got to take notes. Just go look at the show notes after the show (laughs) and I will find all I can and link to what I can. (laughs) Thankfully, they're on Netflix, so they'd be easy to find. Netflix really has just galvanized so many fandoms (laughs) because (laughs) they really are. They're doing the same thing in Korea. They're like, how Mm -hmm. about we just give you money? And you go make this stuff. And it's great, but also a problem. Like right now, Look, there's like four things simultaneously airing. And it's like, how, what do you, how what do, do you, you keep up? What am I meant to do about that? You know, that, see, that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm staying away. So last year, the, yeah, end, at the ending of last year, a friend of mine was like, I need you to watch this K-drama. And I was like, I'm not watching anything Korean. He was like, the reason why I'm watching it is because it's very much like anime. And I'm like, okay, so let me give it a shot. And it was Alchemy of Souls. Ah, I uh, haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's you on my haven't? watch list, but I hear. So I, Yeah, it's, it's on my watch list. I hear it's really, really, really good. So I started it and I was like, holy shit. I could have, look, I look, <laughs> I binged the whole way through. And then I had to wait for the second part to come out in December. Yep. I was literally on my phone like, when is it coming? When is it coming? And it came and I binged it. And then Netflix did this really annoying thing where it, they were now releasing the episodes every weekend. I was like, Ugh, you watch one episode that you have to wait till Sunday or Friday before the next one comes out. But when it ended, yep. I look, I think I had like withdrawal. I was just like, this show can't end. It can't just end. You know, then I went and binged it afresh from start to finish because now all the episodes were out. Oh, man. And then I went to look for shows that had two of the lead characters in it. So I ended up watching some show called Dodo Dodo So So Lala So, which is literally oh, Twinkle yeah, Twinkle yeah, Little Star. Has, that has the same. Uh, it has the same lead, guy. Yes. So I watched yeah. that, and there was another one called something like All All the Days of My Life or something like that, which had the girl who was the lead mm-hmm. in it. I watched those two, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm done. Because if I keep going, <laughs> I'm not going to stop, and I just stopped there. Oh man. <laughs> Look, trust me, I know. And that's kind of the thing with me. I like there are Chinese dramas I get recommended to me because, you know, everything mm-hmm. algorithms. Yeah. I've had a few Bollywood films recommended to me. That's the thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, this I could see this it would be my jam. But mm-hmm. I cannot. I'm so deep over here in like <laughs> Korean dramas and I cannot take that on board. <laughs> like it sounds so silly, like you're so busy at work. But no, seriously, it's it's real out here. Because the thing is, it's, it's a lot because if you're someone who once you're invested in a film or a series uh, it kind of you know um, triggers you into being invested in the culture and what happens behind the scenes yes. and what's yes. it about what it's about Me. 
it becomes a lot more than just sitting down to watch a film. Yeah, I get so like I started learning Korean. I <laughs> love researching Korean like history. Like I and in, get invested, and it's the same. I also like anime. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm like I can't. Two is enough. Um, <laughs> Because it's too much. And I really love both. And I know I would love other things I take on. So, And I do, listeners, I do mean it when I say, if you give me recommendations, I'll put them on my watch list. I'll get to them eventually. I'm not saying I'll never do it. Mm-hmm. But it's a long list, you know? It is. It is. And with and with India, yeah. we're talking about the biggest, more or less the biggest film industry because they turn out hundreds yeah. of films in a week, you know? So there's a lot to go through. Yeah. You chose a fandom for sure. Like, that is a big, big boy. <laughs> <laughs> I was curious. I don't really know much about speaking of fandom, about like Bollywood fandom or Indian cinema fandom. Mm-hmm. Like I've not really experienced it, probably because I'm on the outside. It's one of those things I'm sure like mm-hmm. algorithmically, once you're in, there's all sorts of content and yeah. stuff. So I've just been curious what that's been like navigating that fandom because I've been in I also like things like Lord of the Rings that are very toxic mm-hmm. and problematic fandoms so I don't know <laughs> what this fandom experience is like and also what it's been like establishing your blog and your podcast so if you could tell me a little bit more about that that'd be great okay so I think so when I started watching like I said I started watching these films out of curiosity and not because I wanted to start a platform mm-hmm. or anything like that And at the time, I wasn't too interested in whether or not fandoms existed. I was more interested in the films themselves. Like I said, I started by watching Mm -hmm. films by filmographies of certain people. And as I started doing research, I started watching films by filmographies of directors. So I went, you know, Mm -hmm. my favorite director till date is still Sanjay Lila Bansali. And I watched all his films. I watched Bajiral Mastani. I watched Sawaria. I watched Ramlila. God, that man tells beautiful stories. Oh. I really feel like, I'm like, I can't take this on, but you make it sound so good. No, but that's the thing. Look, Sanjalila Bansali has a certain style. All his, all his films are very grand. Um, as at the time when mm. he did Dave Das, it was the most expensive film to ever be shot because he builds his sets from scratch, but then he uses oh, everything. Because okay. if he's building a place that looks like a palace, he will build the palace from the ground up as a film set. Wow. So he's no, as in look, if you watch if you watch Dave Das, if you watch um Bajral Mastani, there's literally a song in Bajral Mastani called Diwani Mastani. The entire thing is gold. The entire thing I'm sorry, is, gold? is gold. So the moment, as in from the first scene, every scene could be a picture on a wall, right? Deepika Padukone is in it. Priyanka Chopra is in it. Ranveer is in it. Look, I wouldn't push you to start watching everything, but I would like specifically <laughs> recommend one or two things for you to see, just for you to see like the styles of some of the directors and how that has kind of played out in, you know, them being the mega directors that they are today and how it's affected the careers of people that they passed in those films. So at that time, it was just, I'm fascinated and I want to know more. Mm-hmm. It's like peeling back an onion. Every time I discover one thing, I'm like, oh, okay. Like I mentioned, once I had kind of gotten into like watching stuff and constantly talking about the industry and my life is kind of revolving around it, my friends that had been pushing me to start the blog, but I didn't want to, so I didn't think I needed to. But then mm-hmm. COVID happened and I was bored out of my mind. And I was writing reviews, but I wasn't sharing the reviews. And then, unfortunately, I lost my dad. So when that happened, I kind of had to find an outlet. And the outlet became the Bollywood Nerd. So I set up the Instagram page in the middle of the night. And I started posting the reviews. And I was surprised Mm -hmm. that people, you know, started following me. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't think people would be interested, but yay. Mm -hmm. And then when Gunjan Saxena, the Cargill Girl, came out and I watched it and I wrote a review, I got a DM from Dharma Productions asking me if I would like to be part of the reaction videos that they were compiling. And I was like, oh shit. So cool. Production. I was like, yes, sure. And then they started asking me questions and I'm like, so I'm in Nigeria. She was like, you're African? I was like, yes. She was like, she had no clue. She just assumed that the stage was being run by an Indian because of how I wrote and the way I expressed myself. And she was like, that's so cool. You're going to be the only black person in this video. I was like, sure. (laughs) So it was little things like that that just kind of encouraged me to keep going. And then, of course, you know, having Nigerians who have been looking for a Nigerian to connect with, it just made a lot of sense. I mean, I have so many people in my DMs who have been Bollywood nerds themselves for a while. 
but they haven't found people to kind of like talk about Bollywood from their perspective, you know, that are from my country and stuff like that. So I now have mm-hmm. a tiny community of Bollywood nerds constantly in my DMs. And like, oh my God, have you watched this? Oh my God, have you heard about this? And if I'm going to see a movie now and I post that, okay, I'm going, if, not, if anyone is around and they want to go, I've met like three, four people that have gone to see a film with me. So that's basically how it, how it became a thing. That is so neat. The fact that you started your page from this place of essentially grief of like trying to like mm-hmm. fill that space for it to turn into something so joyful that is like affecting other people's lives for the better. That is amazing. Did you have any clue when you, cause I know, you know, part of it was like, oh, I just have all these reviews. I need to get them out. All that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like for yourself, did you have any clue that there is this community, especially within Nigeria of people who were looking for a space like this? I had no clue. Like, look, I started this thing without any main there was no intention to do anything. It was just like an outlet for me and a hobby for me. And I was just like, this is how I'm grieving, you know, by watching mm-hmm. and writing stuff. And then by the time people started commenting and following me and asking me questions, and I started having long conversations with stuff. And I had quite a few people come to my DMs and they're like, oh, yeah, these films that are coming out, where can I watch them? Where can I see them? And people who sometimes, in some of, the, some of these blogs, when they put up like news and I comment there, because I comment very, there's some things that we say like, like Nawa or Wahala. Wahala means problem. Nawa is mm-hmm. like saying, what the hell? <laughs> Do you understand what I'm mm-hmm. saying? when I comment like that in the comment section I now find people who will be like wait 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 this person is Nigerian I'm going to follow this person to see what this person is talking about you know a fellow Nigerian and then the person will be like ah uh-uh, you watch Bollywood and I'm like yeah I watch Bollywood and then before you know it an entire conversation ensues on the things that we've watched the things that we haven't watched so it's really cool it's a small community it's growing every time I disappear for a while because of work I have my DMs people are like Bollywood nerd come back this <laughs> has dropped this trailer has dropped have you watched this have you watched that so it's really cool and i'm hoping that i can visit india soon i'm trying to see if i can go next year i just like see for myself mm. i have a whole list of places i want to see i asked one of the actors that i talked to the dm that if i came to india would he be open to meeting me and he's like yes sure because He's curious to see what I look like. Nobody knows what I look like. I don't share my, my picture. It's a mystery to even me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, I really love the culture. I think that it's a beautiful thing to experience through their films. And it would be nice to like, see it up close and you know personal so, yeah i hope you get to do that because that's the dream right to like fall in love with the culture and really get mm-hmm. into their pop culture and all that stuff because you know these stories transport you to these places so to actually yeah. be able to go is always mm-hmm. the dream whatever you're into whether you're into indian cinema k-dramas anime mm-hmm. whatever you're into yeah. like that's the dream yeah yeah <laughs> are you a fantasy book nerd me too That's why I'm excited for the new season of Wizard Team, a Black magical podcast that explores and highlights fantasy books written by and about Black people. Join fantasy enthusiasts Bayana Davis, Robin Jordan, and Portia Patterson-Hurst for their upcoming season as they do a spoiler-heavy close read of Legendborn by Tracy Dion. New episodes drop every Wednesday on your favorite podcast app. To stay up to date, head over to Instagram or Tumblr and follow at Wizard Team Pod. Can't wait to follow along. You had mentioned, and I was going to ask about it, actually, because uh, something I do know about Bollywood and Indian cinema is that they have a big problem with colorism. Now, I will say that, like, my background in knowing this is through, like, Indian Americans talking about this. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder what that actually looks like. Like, how bad is it really? Is it really bad? Is it how does it present in Indian cinema? Also, like, I know what colorism looks like in American films. I know what colorism looks like in Korean shows. Yeah. So I wonder how it presents in Indian film. And I also wonder, like, how you respond. And then I guess you can also talk about the fandom, since apparently they do have very (laughs) big responses to things. So... Colorism is something that has been a problem in India, whether films existed or not, because of the caste system that they used to have. Mm -hmm. And of course, the fact that they have, you know, the different classes and where you come from. South Indians are um, traditionally darker skinned than than North Indians. So the colorism is evident. And for someone like me who... I was... I kind of just kind of stumbled into watching Indian films... For a very long time, I didn't even realize that there were dark-skinned Indians because it's 90% fair-skinned people in films. 
99.9% wow. fair skin people in films. And it was after I started watching some of like the action films, you'd now see that the bad guy would then be dark skinned or people that are getting beaten up would then be dark skinned or mm -hmm. the people who are, you know, being cast as the help would then be dark skinned. I'd give an example. There was a film that came out around 2017-ish called Uta Punjab mm -hmm. and it was about the drug life in Punjab at the time and a rock star who kind of got caught up in it and some girl who also was a victim of like the drug life and she was meant to be like a local girl and they cast Ali Abad. And Ali Abad is fair-skinned, but they darkened her for the role because the person oh, no. in the role, for that role, she was meant to be darker. So they darkened her for the role, you know, and people had a lot to say. Even I was like, okay, you know. Um, wow. <laughs> so it's a bit, it, yeah. And it doesn't help that at some point, you know, all these bleaching creams and fairness creams and products mm -hmm. were being um, marketed and, and endorsed by a lot of these actors at a particular time. So I won't lie and say that, oh, it's not so bad. It's pretty evident. It's changing slightly now. It's not as bad as when I first started watching Bollywood films because there are actors now who are slightly darker but are getting, you know, some decent roles. But it's pretty, it's kind of, I can barely pinpoint, as in I'm literally scrolling through my mind to like pinpoint who the darker actors are that I can mention. <laughs> <laughs> as in it's that bad wow and so even because you were saying how bollywood is just hindi films but even like the tamil industry and like other mm -hmm. areas of india like south india even still that this is an issue yeah but the thing is it's not as bad as with north and in north indian films it's not as bad as hindi films yeah because like i said traditionally mm -hmm. from what i've seen especially from what i've seen on on tv um and in film and their version of of light skinned is not as light as what i've seen in like hindi cinema to some extent mm -hmm. so you find that a lot of there are a lot of south indian actors who are darker but they are their lead actors the thing is i also try not to focus too much on these things because i know that i see it from a different perspective because i'm a foreigner but i will never be able to understand how the experience affects mm -hmm. the average indian because i'm not indian and i don't live there right. especially when it pertains to their industry i try not to comment on it too much because I also know that some people would see it as me just being biased because I'm a dark-skinned African. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sure. So and yeah. and every society, every tribe, every region, every country has its own biases and flaws and you know issues. None of us are perfect. So because of that, I tend to focus on the film industry for what it is and try not yeah. to allow these issues to taint my love for the art form itself. Mm -hmm. I mean, during COVID, there was a film that came out called Kali Pili. And what, one of the marketing tools that um, is common to Indian cinema is that after releasing like a teaser or a trailer, they released the songs in the film before the film drops to market the film. And there was a mm -hmm. song that was done called, um, how does it go? Yeah, so it was, they, they changed the lyrics because initially what the lyrics had said was that the fair-skinned girl who was the lead in the film was more beautiful than someone who was darker-skinned like Beyonce. They literally they literally compared her to Beyonce. And the internet went ballistic. Yeah. Everywhere shut Ooh. down. And it was, like I said, it was during Ooh. COVID. So emotions were already heightened. Ooh, people went off. They were like, how dare they compare? Um, you know, it's racist. It's a racist comment for you to be referring to a woman based on the color of her skin. Then they came for the actors. Then they came for the songwriters. Then they came for, oh, Lord. They now had to take the song down and change the lyrics. So as opposed to saying that she's more beautiful and fair, fairer than Beyonce, it now turned into she's the fairest girl in the world, something like that. And then why did they not start there? I, oh my so, goodness! I don't. So it was obvious that the intention was not to insult, right? It, the intention was not to insult. It just, I don't think any of them thought about what the consequences would be. If Look, if it hadn't been COVID, I don't think the uproar would have been as bad. But yeah, so it's there. It's almost like an unspoken thing. But it is mm -hmm. getting better, to be honest. I feel like they are making an effort to kind of level the playing field, just the way the whole issue of 
the industry being more male-led than female-driven. We now have more female-led films. We have more female-driven films and things like Mm -hmm. that. So it is changing. And look, we're we're talking about a highly patriarchal, highly cultural, highly traditional society with one of the oldest cultures in the world. Mm -hmm. You cannot expect magic to happen no matter how progressive the world is becoming today it'll be baby steps do you understand what i'm saying it'll definitely be baby steps so like i said i do my best to focus on the film industry for what it is as opposed to getting caught up in the things that make you want to cringe half the time (laughs) cringe is generous but i totally relate though being a k-drama fan because they also have wow lots of issues with you know sexism patriarchy stuff Mm -hmm. um colorism for sure racism too like you know each culture has got something like none of us are perfect it's something that i have to like navigate all the time and you know people who want to start k-dramas like that's something they'll ask me especially like my black friends you know i hear that they're racist or i know they have a colorism problem it's like yeah they do and it's also like again i don't know about indian cinema so much it sounds like it might be a little bit worse but like (laughs) In the case of Korean dramas and stuff, at least these days, they don't, it's not like they're the, all the bad guys are mm-hmm. dark skinned and all of the people who get beat up are look that way. Uh, definitely used to be that way, but they've definitely moved a, a lot away from that. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of part of the responsibility you take on when you're trying to engage with another culture, right? You have to know that you're going to pick up not only this culture, but whatever for lack of a better term, baggage that they Mm -hmm, might have. mm -hmm, The mm -hmm. same way, like, America and, like, the West forces a lot of the rest of the world to take part in their culture, uh, our culture, rather. And when they do that, they have to take on our baggage Mm -hmm. because we have a lot. And so it's not that you can't be critical. Like, I will criticize, you know, when there are racist things in K-dramas or, like, excessive colorism or things like that that do show up, like, when it becomes, like, okay, no, I gotta, I'll say something about this, mm-hmm. you know, if it feels like, you know, that's my place. But for the most part, you gotta take them how they come. Exactly. <laughs> it's kind of how I feel, Look, and you gotta navigate it for yourself. It's unrealistic to expect everyone to think the way you do or see things the way you do. The cultures are different. You're in, diff- you're in different countries. People are raised differently. People are exposed to these things differently. When I remember someone was saying to me, oh, you know, Indians are racist, right? I'm like, I'm aware that they're racist. They're mostly racist to black people. But before I even start talking about them being racist to black people, they're racist amongst themselves. So who are we to complain? (laughs) They do it to them. You know, it's different if they're just doing it and they're focusing on you because you're black and you have kinky hair. I have dreadlocks for heaven's sake. Do you understand what I'm saying? But they do it to themselves. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. but the thing is, just because it is something that exists, that does not mean that that's how everyone that lives there is. Um, there's a lot of educated mm-hmm. people. There's a lot more exposed people who see people for who they are. I, for one, I'm going to be very honest. When I started the Bollywood Nerd as an Instagram handle, I was very <laughs> amused by the fact that a lot of the people who follow me who are Indians were very fascinated by the fact that I was a Nigerian in Africa who actually enjoyed their culture. What they enjoy the most is the fact that I enjoy their cinema as much as they do. And Mm -hmm. there's at least one person who was a film critic that I used to follow on YouTube who I now follow on Instagram, who we're now friends on Instagram. And we are like two or three actors that have actually indulged me in the DMs because they were also fascinated by the fact that I not only do I watch the films, but I actually pay attention to what the narratives are. I pay attention to, you know, what each actor is trying to do. Like Ishan that I keep talking about that I'm absolutely in love with. He follows me and then sometimes he responds to my DMs. And I think that's really cool because it means that they at least acknowledge the fact that there's someone far, far away, who's paying attention to what they're doing. So mm-hmm. well, I'm sure that's very gratifying for them. Yes, it, it is. It is. Yeah, because like, that's the thing when you can approach a different culture. And that's kind of like, what I keep trying to not preach, because I think a lot of people listening to this right now are kind of of the same mindset. Uh, when you engage very genuinely, like you're with genuine interest, mm-hmm. like that is received well. Yeah. And to do that, I always say that you need to go with a curious mind. Mm-hmm. And so I don't go in assuming bad intent. I go with a curious mind and I get to understand like why they think the way they do, mm-hmm. why things are the way they are. Yeah. So like I can look 
at society, like, oh, that's super patriarchal, like, I can never, whatever, and just kind of write them off. But, like, when you actually learn about their history and learn about the, like, religious influences in the country, Mm -hmm. you begin to understand why the country is the way it is and why their society is the way Mm -hmm. that it is. And you get to see the merits of it. Like, Mm -hmm. you can still disagree with it. And I feel like that's just so much more gratifying for both the culture that you're engaging in and for yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, I get a lot out of it coming at it from that perspective, you know? So do I, because look, it's called culture for a reason. It is their culture for a reason. It's not yours. And for you to be interested in it, you also have to be accepting of it. There might be things that you might not agree with, but this is what makes them who they are. So it's not your job to go in there and change them. The most you can do is have a conversation, but you have to acknowledge the fact that this is the way they are. And look, if you are a certain way, you would expect that people would accept you for who you are. So why are you trying to change how these people are beyond? I mean, look, it's a free world. So long as nobody's hurting anybody, respect the culture. You can have I conversations. Love it. I, that's very much relatable mm-hmm. to me because, yeah, I think people have a skewed idea of what it should look like. Yeah. You said that your followers are interested in your views, specifically coming as a Nigerian fan to Indian cinema. Mm -hmm. What are some of those views that you think are unique to them and stand out to them? I mean, so the thing is, a lot of the opinions I've shared mostly on my podcast, because that's where I talk about things to a larger extent, as opposed to on my feed, um, where it's mostly like Mm -hmm. movie reviews and stuff. And then, of course, on my stories as well. But one definitely has got to be the nepotism conversation and stuff because mm-hmm. <laughs> it pops up so much that it irks me. So I always have something to say about it. It's just that I've told myself that I'm not going to make it an issue. Once I had spoken about it in a Bollywood nerd podcast episode, like once or twice, I was like, okay, I'm going to let this rest now. But then outside of that, I think it's also the fact that I'm very objective about my views on the films that I watch. Mm-hmm. Because so, yes, I love the storytelling and yes, I love the beauty of it and I love the music and the dancing and everything. But it does not take away from the fact that I'm very objective about how a film makes me feel. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I'm also very objective about how I feel about like the directors that I love to watch. Like there's a particular director that I really, really like called Imtiaz Ali. My favorite film by him is Tamasha. And it was mm-hmm. it's starring Rambir Kapoor and Deepika Padukone. But then for some reason... His last two films tanked. So when by the time I eventually like did um an episode about him, yes, I spoke about how much I loved, you know, the films that I do love, but then I did not mince words on the fact that I was really disappointed in what happened with his last films um and stuff. I keep it respectful, obviously, but then I'm I'm very honest mm-hmm. as a person. So I think it's that. And then of course, I think another thing is the fact that. The the Indians who do follow me, they enjoy the fact that I enjoy their culture. I think mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing for them. They and I'm not I'm not critical about the culture, but I enjoy the culture. So, you know, when there's a really good song, I'm, I'd probably do a cover of the song or I'd go on and on and on about the song or who wrote the song and, you know, stuff like that. Even this year when Patan came out, it was Shah Rukh Khan's return to film after four years. And mm-hmm. I kept going on and on and about the film. So here's the thing. There are like four cinemas in my city, right? Four? Five. Mm -hmm. But of the five, there's only one that shows Indian films. And it's not all Indian films that open in my country, obviously, because it's a niche interest unless it's in the north. So it's it's a lot of the films that have worldwide releases that come to Nigeria. So luckily, Patan had a worldwide release. So I was there first day for a show. The manager of the cinema knows me because I'm the only Nigerian that calls him to ask him if a certain film is is coming (laughs) to our country. So I send him a list at the beginning of the month to say, these are the films that are coming out this month. Which one is coming to your theater? He'll now be like, okay, this is coming. This is coming. These are the dates. I'll now be the one to update people on my feed to say, okay, these films are coming to Nigeria, guys. So when Patan came out... You've got connects. Oh, my gosh. So so when Patan came out, I, when I got to, to the cinema and I was about to buy my tickets, there were, like, lots of Indians there. And they were like, what film are you paying for? And I was like, it's Patan. If you see the people that look, they all turned. Like, one person was like, you understand Hindi? I said, a little bit. But I, I read the subtitles. They're like, you like Shah Rukh Khan? I said, yes, I like Shah Rukh Khan. But they were shocked to see me there. I think what shocked them the most was when the songs played in the films and I was singing along and I knew the choreography. The guy that was sitting beside me that was Indian was like, 
you are the first Nigerian I'm seeing that is this enthusiastic about watching an Indian film in the cinema. And I was gushing like an idiot after the film. They were like, yes, she enjoyed the film, you know? So, <laughs> so I mean, look, I love what I love. And I'm unapologetic about it. You know, I'm not trying to say, oh my God, India is so cool and I'm going to be, no. I'm like, oh my God, I really love what I'm seeing. I'm a Nigerian who enjoys this. And it's a, it's a hobby for me. Be genuine. Yeah. That's, uh, well, I guess I was going to ask, like, do you have any advice for someone or a Black fan specifically coming into Bollywood films completely brand new? They know nothing. Mm-hmm. I think my advice would be be open-minded don't put your expectations in a box right okay focus on on experiencing it as something new and see it for what it is and don't try to overanalyze what you're seeing when you kind of surrender to the experience that you're having it will grow on you the curiosity will be organic so you leave all the baggage Mm -hmm. at the door and kind of just Start with like a clean slate. Um, and I always advise that people start from the things that are the most accessible. Yes, I was someone who started with like the older film, but that was by choice. And because of the fact that I already had a certain kind of interest, and I'm naturally very open-minded when it comes to content in general. I consume a lot of content anyways. So mm-hmm. watching some of the films from the 90s and the early 2000s, obviously it's a different era. So some things might not sit so well because you're like "Eh, do people really still do this kind of shit but Mm -hmm. if you watch a lot of like the recent stuff like Batan or a Gangobai Katiawadi or an RRR it kind of like eases you into what Bollywood today looks like and then you can go back because at every point in time if you start to pay attention to the Indian cinema you find that they are constantly referencing the earlier days and different styles right. of filmmaking. So, for instance, a film like Patan that has Shah Rukh Khan in it, there were literally references in the film from some films that some iconic roles that he has played that they kind of put into the film for the, so the sake of nostalgia. So just be open-minded about it, you know, ease into it and don't put pressure on it. Just, you know, enjoy the experience. Before we get to my last question, mm-hmm. I did, I said I wanted to circle back just to get an idea. What kind of anime are you into? Um, so I can't say that I'm <laughs> as anal about anime as I am with Bollywood, but it was one of uh-huh. those things that, first of all, it was high school in the days of Samurai X. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's, yeah. that, that was my, that, that was my first introduction to anime. But then in uni, my friend made me start watching um, Bleach. And I was like, hmm, this is interesting. And then I kind of just got lost in the whole Bleach world. And then from there, I watched One Piece. I watched Fairy Tail. I watched Mm -hmm. Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, I watched Shokugeki no Soma. That's Food Wars. Mm -hmm. I watched um, Attack on Titan was a bit too much for me. After the first, what, first two seasons, I was like, what? the hell it was so brutal <laughs> i'm sorry i haven't seen that that oh yet, my so. god see all i'm gonna tell you is brace yourself you know that with every almost every anime even if someone that you really cherish is gonna die it takes some time it's almost like they kind of brace you for the person Uh-oh. dying attack on titan they were killing people off like it was nothing they don't as it they don't even give you enough time to fully like be attached to the person before you know it. They're so brutally murdered. Uh, I couldn't finish it. I had to. I was just like, I didn't know it's that brutal. Ooh. I knew people had said it's pretty. It's, it's pretty real, but I had, didn't know it was that brutal. If I, I had, mean, if I had I feel known, like I survived Game of Thrones. But <laughs> look, if I had known that, if I was, if I had known that that was what I was getting into, I wouldn't have binged the show. I would have taken it. I would have taken it in doses. Because <laughs> oh. by the time we were mm-hmm. done, by the time yeah. by the time I had, I had gotten through the first two seasons, look. My anxiety was at its peak. I couldn't watch any anime for yeah. like a month or two. I was watching, <laughs> I was watching rom coms uh, <laughs> and stuff because I was just like, "What the hell?" You know. Um. Then I also yeah. watched Demon Slayer. I watched Hunter x Hunter. I watched quite a few things. My Hero Academia. There were a few things, but then with anime again, what I do is when I like with anime, I don't so I don't mix it. If I'm watching anime, I'm watching anime. And if I'm watching one, I stick to that one until I 
finish it. Mm-hmm. But there's some particular animes that didn't really land for me, like One Punch Man, Mob Psycho. And my issue was that I'm so used to this traditional style of the way the characters are drawn with like the sharp edges and all of that, mm. that when it starts to look different, I'm just like, nope, this is not anime for me. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have a hard time with certain animation styles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think the one anime that I have not seen that everybody wants to crucify me over is um, Naruto. Oh boy. <laughs> Literally, I don't know if you have your the screen up, but like there's it's I fan art see. of like the three of them at like mm-hmm. as like black. And I can then see there's some more over here. So uh, <laughs> uh I will not crucify you. It's I mean you've seen so much, it's allowed. And Naruto has a lot of episodes. It's fine. I am surprised I am the same way, so I don't know why I thought this, but because you know you're so into Bollywood film mm-hmm. and like Bollywood's so pretty and so <laughs> like the romance, it's so soft. I really thought you were gonna be a shoujo girly, but you're a shonen girly, ah. which same, but I was surprised. Well, you see, mm, look. I think it's probably because of the fact that when I was introduced to anime, I was introduced to this kind of anime first. But there's also Mm. the fact that, look, I'm not as girly as it seems. As much as Bollywood has a lot of romance, I'm not that girly in person. You, yeah, I hate pink. That is me. Are we the same person? That's how I am (laughs) with K-dramas. Like, they're so romantic. And you would think that I'm just like this girly girl who loves, like, if you just knew that Mm -hmm. about me. But, like, I really am not. I'm not. Look, I wear boots and sneakers. I only have, like, two pairs of heels in my house. I haven't worn a skirt since 2010. So, I'm like, yeah. So, I'm not that girly. I'm going to be honest. And I can't stand anime that is girly. I just... Because they squeal a lot. It's like, like oh, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> it is a lot. I do like it now. Like, I mean, I used to watch some, but it wasn't like my main. And I like it even more now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I used, it was definitely, Shonen was my main. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably I would still say that is true. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Super interesting. Thanks for indulging me a little <laughs> bit. Uh, my last question. Yes. <laughs> bringing it back to Bollywood. Mm-hmm. You've actually done really well and given us a lot to go through and, mm-hmm. you know, dropped a lot of directors mm-hmm. and films. But just to kind of like put a nice bow on it, mm-hmm. what are some quintessential Bollywood recommendations for a newbie like me? Okay, so if you're going back to like some of the classics that's like everybody's list of favorite films, then we're looking at Kuchi Kuchi Hotahe. We're looking at Kabikushi Kabigam. We're looking at Dave Das, definitely. And then maybe like a Mohabbatin. Yeah. And then Dilwale Dulhania Lejayenge, which is the longest showing film in Indian cinema to date. <laughs> really? Yes. That film was a hit. <sighs> But then if you're someone who wants to kind of understand like how the Hindi cinema kind of has evolved from a certain era to where it is right now, then I would advise that you watch the documentary, The Romantics on Netflix. Then if we're talking about stuff that is more recent, then I would advise that you watch Patan. That's on Amazon Prime. I would advise that you watch Gangubaya Katiawadi. That's on Netflix. You can watch RRR on Netflix. If you want to try a South film, then you can watch Sita Ramam on Amazon Prime. And then if you're looking for like some fun stuff, I'd say that you watch Dil Dalak Mido and um, Dil Chata He. And then in addition to that, I think definitely Gully Boy. You have to see Gully Boy. But outside of that, I think if you're looking for like maybe top five directors for me that give you like a well-rounded view of what Hindi cinema looks like or on the commercial front at least, then I would do Sanjay Bansali. I would do Karan Johar. I would do um, Imti Azali. Then for South, I would do SS Rajamoli. And then probably Zoya Akhtar. I think that combination would kind of take you on a bit of a journey around, you know, what we see everywhere. Okay. I will try and get all of these in the show notes. I may have to hit up the Bollywood nerd if I can't find a few, but I will have them all in the show notes for y'all listening at home. Sure. I'll send you links for sure. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming onto the show. First of all, super informative. Second of all, super tempting. I'm like, should I just get into Bollywood? Should I just do it? Should I (laughs) break my own rules? I I think you should. Maybe not like (laughs) in, in, but at least 
experience it. Yeah, I mean, if you dipped your toe into K-dramas, you watched the one, binged it quickly, twice. (laughs) Maybe I could dip my toe in, you know, like safely and then just exit, make a quick exit. That's the key. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But before we go, before we jet, go ahead and tell the good folks where they can find you and what you have in the works. Okay, so you can find me on Instagram and on Spotify podcast as The Bollywood Nerd. And at the moment, I mean, I'm watching more stuff. I'm binging a couple of new shows that have come out. There are going to be a lot more reviews for you to see. And based on popular demand, I'm going to start singing again on my page. So you will get some covers from me. I'm I'm excited for that because I only recently started following you. So this singing thing is news to me, but I... I'm excited. I would love to see it and listen to it. So soon come, I hope. Yes, soon. Very soon. Again, links, of course, in the show notes, all the recommendations, links to the IG and the podcast will be there too. So definitely go follow the Bollywood nerd. And thank you all so much for listening. I want to know, are you a Bollywood fan? What is your favorite Bollywood film? I cannot promise that I will add it to the watch list considering I've been given a lot of homework already. (laughs) But I will will look at them and we will see. You can do that and let me know at CultureXPodcast on Twitter. Not as much these days, but Twitter or Instagram. And until next time, keep it chill and keep it nerdy.